Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brody Meyer, and this is WHBC Radio, where we interview unique professionals and get a great insight into their lives. This week's guest is Christian Anderson. Christian has co-founded many companies over the past 15 years, including Studio Science, Octave, and Lessonly. He's also invested in an impressive list of companies, including Igo Digital, which was acquired by Exact Target and eventually Salesforce. Currently, he works as a partner at High Alpha, where he conceives, launches, and scales enterprise cloud companies. If you see Christian around Indy, don't forget to fuse with them using the FuseMe mobile app. During this podcast, we dive into Christian's passion for design, his views on creativity, and a little bit on how he's managed to accomplish so much professionally with six kids at home. Without further ado, here's my conversation with one of the most interesting people I've ever met, Christian Anderson. Christian, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. Hi, Brody. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, I'm going to jump right into it. Basically, this podcast, we really just want to dive into your life. And I did a lot of digging on the internet about you, and I found out you're just a very interesting guy, (laughs) (laughs) to say the least. Um, Your education in design and design management extends through Anderson University, Carnegie Mellon, and Harvard Business School. Um, while earning your business, your BA at, in design at Anderson, you also played on the rugby t- team. And through all the rug- rugby players that I've ever met, I've never found one so creatively inc- inclined or <laughs> interested in design. Um, so I'm just wondering, when did you first find out that design was what you wanted to study? What brought you to it? I've been interested in it my whole life. So as a, as a child, little kid, um, you know, I remember as a, you know, eight and a nine-year-old, you know, I, I didn't ask for Transformers or G.I. Joe for Christmas. I asked for, you know, airbrushes and drafting tables and T-squares and, you know, kind of all the tools of the trade. And uh, I was fortunate that my mom and dad kind of indulged that curiosity and, and that interest of mine. And, you know, as I, as I grew up, you know, it's funny, I was, I was probably the only, you know, 12-year-old in the great state of Arkansas that had a weekly subscription to advertising age you know, <laughs> when they were in, in sixth grade. But that, that's the kind of stuff that interested me. And I had lots of interests, but I think I was fortunate in that even as a really young child, I knew with some level of specificity what it is I wanted to do for a living, and it never changed. That's very interesting. Um, after school, mm-hmm. you decided to jump into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, you found studio science. And it's a design and innovation consultancy, so right along with your passions your entire life. Yeah. Um, what led you down that path of entrepreneurship? Well, I was, I didn't really decide to do it. I was, uh, I, I took a job right out of college uh, at a local uh, kind of software and technology company that was building touchscreen kiosks for retail environments and um, I took that job because my girlfriend at the time was a fifth-year senior, and I was, you know, interested to, to hang out and see if she and I worked out. Um, we didn't, by the way, which <laughs> ended up being a good thing. But I took that job, and six months into it, they kind of hit the wall. They ran out of money, and uh, I was kind of out on the streets, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, but my my boss or my previous boss um, was in the process of spinning up another company ever the intrepid entrepreneur, and um, I had gotten some pretty interesting job offers in other parts of the country, and 
and I'd shared those with him, and he came back to me and said, hey, you know, Christian, and, at the, and I realized now he was slightly self-interested at the time, but I don't care. It ended up working out for me too. But he said, hey, don't take those jobs. You should hang out your own shingle, and I'll be your first customer. And so that's what I did. So I, um, you know, I rented a little 220-square-foot office above the Starbucks in Broad Ripple and uh, bought, right. a, bought, a, bought a Mac and a card table and got to work. That's incredible. So, yeah. Is it still... In Broad Ripple, do you, is it still Studio No, Science? the Studio Science is, it's located in Indianapolis right on the circle downtown in the, in the Lacey building. So no, we've, we've okay. come a long way from that 220 square foot uh, office building that had, it had uneven, the floors were so uneven, if you dropped a pin, it would just, you had to get on your knees quick or it'd roll to the other side of the room and just a, in a flash. But it's funny, and it was... <laughs> there was a popcorn shop downstairs and a Starbucks downstairs, so it always smelled like you were in a restaurant. Um, <laughs> Perfect just, late, just, late night snacks. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah. Of course, I thought at the time, as a 21-year-old that had grown up in a very rural part of Arkansas, like I thought I was in the big city, you know what I mean? I yeah. was on top of a Starbucks and bustling Broad Ripple in Indianapolis, and I thought I had hit the big time. So, <laughs> Well, you I, did. I was happy as a yeah. clam, yeah. yeah. In 2006, you go, you move into healthcare um, with Path Agility, and it facilitates generation management and reporting of clinical data between pathology laboratories, provider providers, and healthcare institutions. Mm -hmm. Why the shift into healthcare? Well, well I, it wasn't really a shift. I had built a firm that had software engineers and designers and strategists, and so um, at some point along the way, I didn't become disillusioned with pro services, but I was very interested in building products and seeing if we could build businesses that scaled differently than a services firm. And, and we started lots of companies out of Studio Science, but the first one was Pathagility. And, and the reason we went into that space is my two good friends and ultimately business partners, one came out of the insurance space and the other came out of the what, what you would call the lab space. So um, everything from kind of blood testing and genetic testing and things of that nature. So the three of us came together and knew we wanted to build a software company. Um, and those two in particular had specific expertise on the provider side and on the payer side. And I had expertise on the design and technology side. So we said, let's do it. And that's, that's kind of been the story behind every company that I've had a role in starting is I've always partnered with people that were really smart, had some very specific domain expertise, um, and, and were, were interested in leveraging um, kind of the experiences, tools, uh, and platform we'd built over at Studio Science. So being so good at design kind of augmented being able to get into all these different industries and building all these different things. Well, I mean, I th design was just the thing that I was... Companies need lots of stuff to start and grow, and design was just happened to be the thing I knew that companies need to start growing. Companies also need sales professionals and marketing professionals and finance professionals and, and, and so on and so forth. So I just was opportunistic. You know, early on, I just, I recognized that the only way to grow a, a services firm, a design firm, an ad agency, a marketing firm, is to hire more people. I mean, you're selling brains by the pound. It's all an hourly rate business. And, um, you know, and that's good. And I loved that business and, and still love professional services. But I was eager to figure out how we could leverage all of our expertise to build products that scaled in profoundly different ways. And um, 
So, yeah, I mean, there was nothing supernatural about design. I mean, it could have been anything. You know, people mm -hmm. frequently, you know, ask, what's the best way to get started? And, uh, you know, the best way to get started is to become really good at one thing, and then there's uh, infinite ways that that can be applied to make you happy, to make money, to improve other people's lives. Um, so I don't think there's anything special about design. It just happened to be what I was, what I liked doing. It's a very interesting perspective. I really mm -hmm. like that. Um, you jump into venture capital in 2008 with, um, as the co-founder of Gravity Ventures. Yeah. And it's a very impressive um, investment portfolio, including Compendium, acquired by Oracle, iGo Digital, acquired by Exact Target, and then yeah. Salesforce, and many more. Yeah. Throughout all those VC endeavors, like what what was your favorite company to work with? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting question. I've never thought of it. You know, I, I that's another thing that I kind of just got into through the back door. Okay. I mean, I didn't. I don't have an MBA. I didn't go to business school. Um, you know, I, I, there's nothing kind of prototypical about my journey to investing. Um, again, it was just one of those things where I kind of unencumbered by knowledge. We were working with a lot of tech companies. Those tech companies were raising money. I had visibility into that as an individual, so I started investing as an angel. And over time, built up a, a great portfolio doing that. And a number of my friends and associates would come to me and go, hey, I want to do that. And as I thought about like the how of that, I thought, you know, we should start, we should just start a little ragtag venture fund. Like, why not? <laughs> you know, come on. And um, and we were really early. It was two thousand and nine, and we were we put together the first member managed venture fund. So it wasn't an angel group. It was a committed fund. Uh, we ended up raising six of those in total and doing over forty investments in a really truncated wow. period of time. You know, three or four years. And so I, I don't know. I mean. I mean, I can tell you which ones made us the most money, which ones were the most <laughs> lucrative, um, and those are always fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there were failures that were fun, too. Uh, I mean, the, the, the part of the process that I enjoyed the most was just learning. I knew almost nothing about the language of early-stage finance. Um, I, had, I had developed a pretty rudimentary understanding of what it meant to be an angel investor. Um, but starting to fund, albeit even a small one, was a big step up in sophistication, and so I had to go to work. And so I like, you know, challenges, especially when you're taking other people's money, when you're stewarding that on their behalf, and it's people that you love and your friends and your family, you know, that's a, that's a big weight, and that's a very good motivator um, to, to drive you to get excellent, to become excellent. And so I, I'm not saying that I ever became excellent at it, but, you know, Looks like you did. Uh, it's better to be, you know, being to be lucky than smart or whatever. I mean, but the but the funds ended up performing well, and that's what you know really kind of set me up to be able to kind of move into the next chapter of, of you know what I do professionally. While you were part of, you know, this whole VC lifestyle and building companies, you from 2010 to 2012, you co-found you know a bunch of other fantastic companies such as Octave, Lessonly. Visible VC and Speakeasy. You also have a wife and six children. Yeah. I'm just, I'm wondering how do you, how you manage to hold down the fort at home. I, when I, you know, I can't even hold down a girlfriend. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's well, very interesting you know, to me. I, how old are you? I'm 23. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just kind of, you just kind of, uh, time marches on, you know, and as you sign yeah. up for more responsibilities, you just figure out a way to deliver. And, you know, 
Brandy, my wife Brandy, I'm, we got married when I was 28. She was 26 um, in 2002. And uh, that was kind of when my career also began to take off. And I credit a lot of that with Brandy because Brandy came in, uh, kind of was a, a rudder for me, kind of stabilized. You know, I kind of, that's kind of when you shift, I mean, there's no way for this not to be perceived incorrectly because there's plenty of 18-year-olds who are more grown up than a lot of 50-year-olds. But for me, marriage helped me grow up. And, um, you know, even, even in business, I mean, Brandy came into my office and kind of reinvented uh, a bunch of processes. I mean, if anyone had come in at any point prior to that and looked at how we ran the operation, they would have been mortified. Um, and then Brandy did the same thing for our family. We have six kids, but Brandy runs that. Brandy does 96.5% of the work there, right? She's a stay-at-home mom. She homeschools all six of them. Um, well, that's incredible. And they're all pretty, like, you know, amazing individuals. So uh, it's, it's kind of cliche to say, oh, to thank your wife for that kind of stuff or acknowledge your wife. But in my case, it's really sincere. She, she came in and brought kind of form to my business and directed a lot of my energy, helped me direct my energies in a way that created uh, a lot more leverage. And then, you know, when we began a family, she did the same thing at home. That's really incredible. Um, it's something that I've, you know, I talk to a lot of people about this and it seems like finding that right person is just a huge part of it. Um, yeah. I mean, that is for every part. It's only part of it. It's because only- once you find that right person, then you've got to figure out how to grow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you figure out kind of how to grow together. Uh, but yeah, it's a whole lot easier to do if you find the right person, I think. So you're currently a partner at High Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a venture studio that conceives, launches, and scales enterprise cloud companies. And you co-founded it in 2015. Uh, by the way, the office is beautiful. It's incredible. Thank you. I'm sure you had a hand in on the design. They were very generous. They gave me, they gave me a lot of lat. My partners gave me a lot of latitude when it came <laughs> to the design of the office. So. Awesome. Um, what makes High Alpha different than other VC firms like this? Well, I would say that we're the main thing is that we're not a VC firm. So we we call it we call what we what we do we call the model of venture studio. So it's uh, it shares a lot in common with the traditional venture fund, but it's it's also quite different in that we're a company that starts companies. So the traditional venture fund, you go raise a bunch of money from LPs, it goes in a bucket, and then the partners go look for amazing companies um, that they can invest in and help fuel the growth. But by their very nature, these are companies that already exist or are already up and running or already typically generating revenue, et cetera, et cetera. We, uh, at, at High Alpha, we actually develop the idea, build out the concept, build the product, form a company, launch it, grow it, and then, um, you know, uh, continue to kind of recruit executives, leadership, team members. So they're very much, if, if a venture fund um, was designed, everything. Yeah, it yeah. was designed to, from Jump Street, um, kind of conceive of and launch companies, um, you know, then, then we'd, we'd look a lot more similar. But so, yeah, so we've got basically a company that starts companies. It's called High Alpha Studio, and it's 25, you know, really uh, expert, uh, accomplished, pedigreed practitioners that get out of bed every morning and work on 
starting new businesses. And then we have Half Capital, which is a standalone traditional venture fund that's bolted onto the studio, and, and we make direct investments out of that fund into the companies we start. It's an, it's an incredible organization, um, and I'm very blessed to have been you know, come and talk to you about this in your offices. It's well, very cool. I don't, I don't know about that, but I, it is a, it's a fun job. It's, it's kind of the culmination of everything that I've wanted to do. You know, I get to be, we're super design focused. Um, we're investing, which is something that I have a, a deep and abiding passion in, but we're also getting to play the role of entrepreneur and ideate and, and, and do the work, build stuff, not just Throw provide the capital yeah. for someone else to do it, but really getting to do it. And then, of course, as a result of that, we get into relationship with the best entrepreneurs in the world. And so if you look at our kind of studio portfolio today, we have 10 unbelievable CEOs that have joined us here at High Alpha to grow these companies and, and a dozen other CEOs uh, in, in kind of non-High Alpha companies that we've had the opportunity to invest in. And, you know, we're looking forward to doing it for a long time to come. It'll be many years before anyone knows if we are any good at it. That's the, that's the one kind of hard part about this business is um, it really, without exaggeration, it's seven, eight, nine, ten years um, before you really know if you've built something important and durable and valuable. You know very quickly if you've built something bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Lemons ripen quickly. So <laughs> yes. you understand really quick, you really fast if you've, if you've made the wrong moves, but oftentimes, most of the time, it's many, many years before you know if you've, you've built something really special. So I, I've got one more question based off of that, kind of you know, moving forward with your career. Um, I pulled a recent quote that you tweeted a few days ago, and I'm going to read it for our listeners because I think it plays very well into the conversation. The most regretful people on earth are those who felt the call to creative work, who felt their own creative power restive and uprising and gave it neither power nor time. <laughs> it's by um, the, the poet Mary Oliver. Yeah. So now I'm going to go a little deep with you on this question. If you stopped everything you were doing right now and walked away, would you hold regret in your heart for untapped creative potential or have you allowed your creative power to sort of break through to its entirety? No, I've, I've been pretty true to myself in that regard. I mean, uh, there's I, ha I have you know, maybe regrets about other things I didn't live into as fully as I maybe had wanted to or should have, but I believe that I have endeavored and, and said no to a lot of expedient and, and sometimes, uh, at least on the surface, kind of lucrative opportunities um, in order to pursue creative work and make important things. Um, and if, and if, it's not going to happen because I love my job and see myself doing it uh, for many years to come. But if I, for whatever reason, did step away from this, I would, I would, um, I would find other outlets um, to pursue kind of a creative life. Um, I mean, that's, uh, that's when I feel most confident and joyful and content and rested and happy and productive and grateful is when I'm making things and you can define that in as broad a sense as you want to you know it could be the way we're raising our children it can be um, when I'm fooling around in my garden in the backyard you know um, it could be businesses could be art um, you know I, I think it's but I do think 
it's an important thing for everyone, not just people who are self-styled creatives and not just people who have art degrees or wear black turtlenecks and berets <laughs> and things like that. We're all created creatively, you know? I mean, that is a core, like, genetic drive in every human being is to, is to make stuff, to improve things. We all love beautiful things. Now, our definition of beauty can shift, and that's fine, too, but we all love beautiful things, and we all... We all feel good when we create something of utility. I mean, you know that. Yeah. You know, you you feel good when you spend a day in the backyard mowing the lawn or splitting wood mm -hmm. or or designing a skyscraper. You know, <laughs> I mean, as long as you're creating, you're yeah, creating building. or yeah. or shaping, and that's why I say even you know mowing the lawn it can be a creative uh, pursuit. You mm -hmm. can do it excellently. You can do it beautifully. Um, you know. Creation isn't about making something out of nothing. We're not capable of doing that. Um, we're able to shape and to form out of things that already exist. I mean, um, when, when you hear people use the expression, oh, he made so-and-so out of nothing. I'm like, well, that's not true. You know, <laughs> he had some wood and a hammer and some nails, or, you know, he had a team, or, you know, she had financial back. You know, so, yeah. I mean, it, the whole creating out of nothing is not a, is something that doesn't exist, but... Creativity is, is really about um, seeing possibility, seeing a better version of what exists today, and then using the tools at your disposal to shape that better thing, to make that better thing. Well, very well put. I'm very excited to watch you create for the, you know, the rest of your career. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, Likewise. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Brody Meyer, and this was WHBC Radio, brought to you by the FuseMe mobile application. Please check out FuseMe on the App Store. FuseMe is a professional tool eliminating business cards and resumes while bringing back the human-to-human -human connection that we find ourselves missing in this digital age. If you're a student going to a Butler University career fair in the fall, leave your resumes at home and download the FuseMe app now so that you are prepared to start some professional relationships with the employers in attendance. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, we hate business cards.